This is Rush to Reason. You are going to shut your damn yapper and listen for a change because I got you pegged, sweetheart. You want to take the easy way out because you're scared. And you're scared because if you try and fail, there's only you to blame. Let me break this down for you. Life is scary. Get used to it. There are no magical fixes. With your host, John Rush. My advice to you is to do what your parents did. Get a job first. You haven't made everybody equal. You've made them the same, and there's a big difference. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Are you crazy? Am I? Or am I so sane that you just blew your mind? It's Rush to Reason, brought to you by Absolute Electrical Heating and Air, with your host, John Rush. All right. Happy Thursday, everybody. Rush to Reason, Denver's Afternoon Rush, KLZ 560. Let's get everybody online here and get rolling along here. Dr. Kelly Victory joining us as well as Steve House. Dr. Kelly, I'll start with you. Welcome. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Always a joy. Steve House also. Welcome. Glad to have you as well. Thanks, John. Glad to be here as well. All right. So let's get started with, I sent you guys an article about leprosy and Dr. Kelly, I guess I'll start with you. Is it really back? And if so, is it because of the mRNA shots? Well, good question. Again, from my perspective, John, this is just a lot of fear-mongering. Leprosy is a disease that's uh, as old as the Bible. You know, we've had yep. cases of leprosy, uh, and it had ne- it's never gone away. Uh, people don't talk about it much. It's out there, particularly in third-world countries, but it's even in, the, in Western Europe, and we have cases every single year in the United States. The reason people don't talk about it much is that it's a highly treatable disease. It's no longer the scourge that it was uh, prior to the uh, advent of antibiotics. Um, The biggest problem, frankly, is that it is so rare, it is so uncommon, that many physicians have never seen a case and therefore don't recognize it. Mm. Uh, They don't recognize what it is and they don't start treatment uh, until the disease has got somewhat advanced. But even then, it's very treatable. So once again, they're starting to raise the alarm flag of, oh, my God, you know, we have cases of leprosy, um, you know, quickly, you know, this is going to be get ready to do whatever it is they tell you, social distancing, hand washing, mask wearing, whatever silliness they suggest. The reality is, you know, it is certainly possible that we've had some increase in incidence as a result of the fact that people have done a real job, unfortunately, on their immune systems as a result of the mRNA shots. But I think it's far less likely that and far more likely that this is just a case of simple fear-mongering. They are bringing attention to cases of leprosy that have been out there and are out there every year on an annual basis all around the world. Okay, dumb question on my part. What is leprosy exactly, and why is it, you know, is it just because we have antibiotics now that they didn't have in biblical times that makes it not as big of a deal as it was back then? Precisely so. It's, okay. it's caused by a bacterium. Um, it is not particularly contagious, despite what you were led to believe. You know, when you read the Bible, I had this idea when I was reading the Bible that you need to have to be in the room with somebody who has unclean, unclean, exactly. Uh, exactly. That isn't the case, and they certainly didn't understand what it was uh, at the time. Okay. It is a bacterial infection. It starts as a skin infection. It can develop into very severe neurologic complications, but that takes a 
very long time, years in most cases, mm. to develop into that. And it is, in fact, the advent of antibiotics that has allowed us to pretty much keep it under control. Steve, I know you. You know we've, we're sending this around. We got other articles that we'll get into today as well, and these are things that I sent to you guys. Your thoughts? Well, I had a question, like a, a technical clinical question. The other thing we've seen, Kelly, and I don't believe they're the same, is the flesh-eating bacteria concern, right? So, you know, people go in the water in the summertime. You know, they get flesh-eating bacteria. Usually, your immune system is fairly good. Um, but apparently there's a rise in flesh-eating bacteria. It's not the same as leprosy, is it? No, it is not. It's a totally different, you know, most, quote, flesh-eating bacteria are actually staph and strep. Uh, you know, right. that's really kind of a layman's term. They are staph and strep infections that run rampant and can become very overwhelming very quickly. Um, I think there's no question in my mind, as I said, and I don't say this lightly, People who have been vaccinated with these mRNA vaccines have done some uh, damage uh, to their immune systems. There is an immune suppressive effect of these vaccines, in addition to the fact that they simply don't work to stop you from contracting the virus COVID. Um, they seem to suppress the immune system so that not only are you at higher risk to contract COVID, but you're at higher risk from a lot of things that your immune system normally protects you against, and that includes bacterial infections and cancers. So, you know, we are seeing, for example, resurgence of a lot of people having uh, cases of shingles. Again, not because the vaccine causes shingles, but because the vaccine suppresses your immune system and is allowing these sorts of infections to rear their ugly heads. Um, so I do think we're seeing an uptick in infectious diseases across the board, uh, likely somewhat related to the, um, the immune suppression. Uh, but again, you, you have to try to also weed out how much of it is fear-mongering because they are desperate to make you uh, fearful that there's something right around the corner that's going to wipe out humanity. Yeah, and, and I think my, my take on it in the article I read, because there were some people speculating that this was an immune system problem, that it was at a higher rate, and you know everything we do now, I mean, this is the problem we have. Mm. Everything that happens or we see, we're going to sort of think about, well, if you've been vaccinated, have we you know, corroded your immune system response capabilities to the point where people are now seeing more and more diseases that we wouldn't have seen before? And I think that's another case. That's why I think it was brought up, as people were concerned that, flesh-eating bacteria and basically staph and strep, as you said, coming from strep throats and things like that, that it was it was more prevalent because mm. of the immune system weakness. Mm. Good point. Good point. And, yeah. and, and really quick, for all of you listening, Dr. Kelly Victory, if you're tuning in for the first time, there's an entire page on our website dedicated to all the things we've been talking about with Dr. Kelly for the last two-plus years, two-and-a-half years roughly, and you can actually find all of that on our website. Go to RushToReason.com, and she's listed there. And, Steve, we don't have a page for you. I guess we really ought to start one for you, actually, and let everybody know what, what your background is. But for those listening for the first time, let them know what your background is. You know, I've been in healthcare for 40 years now, John. I was a biomedical engineer originally, and I've kind of traversed through lots of different areas of both clinical and technical medicine, along with um, working in the administrative areas to make hospitals and, and physicians more effective at what they do. So it's been a long history of healthcare. I had a few years in politics, which, you know, I'm, I'm sort of forgetting on a day-by-day -day basis. Okay. Well, and again, a lot of this weaves together. I was 
You guys will find this funny, I think. I was told last week that really COVID's over. You guys really on Thursdays need to shift gears, start talking about something else. I really don't know why you're even spending the hour that you're spending. Old news. You should be into politics and other things going on, including, you know, homelessness in Denver, which, by the way, I cover quite often outside of this hour. Um, I feel like this is still a very important hour. We cover a lot of great things that are going on. And my gut feeling is I don't think this is the last we're going to see of this type of a of an issue. In fact, they're talking about right now potentially, you know, executive order shutting down the country again for something like climate change. So if it happened once for COVID, guys, it could happen again. And all of this dovetails into one another. Am I right, Dr. Kelly? It, no, it it does. And I think, it, you know, the, the issue is this and the reason, because I, I understand what, what your caller or, or yeah, the individual is saying with regard to, you know, let's move on beyond COVID. I agree. I'd be, I find it tiresome sometimes myself. It is not COVID, the infection, however, that I That's think right. we need to keep talking about. It is it is the response politically, morally, yep. ethically, yep. culturally that we really need to focus on. Because unless we really understand what has happened, what the drivers were, who is behind this, we are absolutely going to fall subject to this again. Yep. And the reason I bring up things like fear-mongering, I am really imploring people, rather than to respond to everything you hear on media with regard to the next crisis, whatever it is, whether it's climate change you know, or whatever it is, just say, sit back and really think, what, who, who is driving this narrative? What do they have to gain by it? Um, because I can tell you, Steve and I and you, John, have nothing to gain yep. by telling That's people right. to be uh, to not be fearful of COVID. I have nothing to gain by pushing a drug, for example, like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. I have nothing to gain by suggesting that people might think twice about taking one of these vaccines. Think about the opposite, however. What do you think about the people who have a lot to gain yeah, by true. You taking Very vaccines? true a lot to gain by you being in fear. So I think that the thing we really are talking about is what has happened to us as a culture, as a society, that we are willing, for example, to suggest that children take a vaccine that hasn't been tested because it might make it safer for grandma, mm. that, that people should close schools and not go to church because it might make it safer for the 0.01% of the population that is at risk. Those are the things we need to unpack and understand. I fully agree. And Steve, you, you want to comment not, on that? Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead, sir. Yeah, there, there's one other thing. One of the symptoms of the real problem was is that you see the liberal media elite and Hollywood elite are mad at Woody Harrelson because he wore a Bobby Kennedy hat. Um, this is politics. The vaccine is politics because why are they mad at him? Because he's one of those people that doesn't believe in the vaccine. Well, what does the vaccine have to do with political positioning? And right. why would someone not have the ability to express their opinion about this vaccine, especially since everyone seemed to have an opinion about how bad you were if you didn't embrace the vaccine originally? It is, when you look at the articles we were exchanging just today and yesterday, I mean, why would anyone, anyone vaccinate a kid between the ages of 1 and 12 or 12 mm. and 20 or mm. 1 and 50, if you will. Yep. Why would anyone do it? There is no sense there. It's not about COVID. It's about a command and control structure and a whole bunch of money. 
All right, hang, hold on to that thought. Perfect segue. We'll come right back. Questions along any of these lines, by the way, text me 307 282 Again, 307 282 Kurt Rogers is next. He's going to join me at 5 o'clock today, by the way. Any questions for him, use that same text line, and I'll get that geared up as well. Affordable interest mortgage, 720-895-0500. Many of you are seeing your credit card rate around 18 to 21%. With the feds continuing to raise rates, it's getting harder to stretch that dollar. Take AIM, Affordable Interest Mortgage, 720-895-0500. If you currently have a low rate on your mortgage, but the other debts are not giving you any breathing room, consider refinancing and getting a blended rate in the fours. Now is the time. Take AIM, 720-895-0500. Get that blended rate in the fours and lower your total monthly payment, six, seven, eight hundred a month. We can show you how to lower your monthly debt and keep more of your money, all with a low blended rate. Take AIM, 720-895-0500. Locally owned and serving Coloradans since 2001. Let us show you how to own your home faster and pay less interest. Our experience will save you money. 720-895-0500. Affordable interest mortgage. That's 720-895-0500. Start saving six, seven, eight hundred a month now and breathe again. NMLS 298-191, regulated by DOOR, equal credit lender. When your air conditioning isn't working properly, you're sticky, hot, and miserable, and you just want it fixed fast. Absolute Electrical, Plumbing, Heating, and Air have the staff, vehicles, and inventory to do the job right, right now. Smaller companies often have to order parts or come back another day to finish, but Absolute has the staff to repair your AC typically on the same day. Even if you need an entirely new HVAC system installed, in many cases, they can do that by the next day. Absolute's highly qualified technicians also have best-in-class support back in their office in the rare case they hit a snag and need assistance. This means that you don't just get one tech, you have a whole team of techs who will help get your home cooled off without unnecessary delays. Right now, for KLZ listeners, Absolute will take off up to $500 for a full AC furnace install. Reach out to Absolute Electrical Plumbing, Heating, and Air today at klzradio.com absolute and get cool fast. For quality and service beyond compare, call Absolute Electrical, Heating, and Air. All right, Dr. Scott Faulkner, he was with us yesterday. And if you're looking for an alternative to the, you know, big, what I call big pharma, big insurance, give him a call, make an appointment. He would love to help you with whatever medical issue you might have going on or just do that preventative maintenance we talked about yesterday. 303-663-6990. Are you looking for a healthcare provider who truly cares about you and your well-being? Look no further than Castle Rock Cryo, IV and Integrative Healthcare, where Dr. Scott Faulkner is ready to provide you with top-notch care. Colorado raised since 1968, Dr. Scott is a board-certified internal medicine specialist, bringing decades of experience and expertise to the table. At Castle Rock Cryo, IV and Integrative Healthcare, you'll experience a competent, friendly, and efficient staff that puts your comfort and care first. Dr. Scott is a true advocate of the latest advancements in healthcare. That's why he only uses umbilical-derived stem cells, which have been clinically proven to be the most potent stem cells available. Tired of waiting weeks for an appointment? Unlike other practices, Dr. Scott has the remarkable ability to see you in a matter of days. Don't wait any longer. Call Castle Rock Cryo IV and Integrative Healthcare at 303-663-6990 to schedule your appointment with Dr. Scott Faulkner today. 
No liberal media bias here. This is Rush to Reason. All right, we are back. Dr. Kelly Victory, Steve House with us as they are typically on Thursdays. All right, Steve, just jump back to you and talk about this whole, you know, it's just, again, I look at this the same way you guys do. It's maddening that we're going to push any kind of a vaccine in this particular world, especially when it comes to COVID, which to me is just, it's now the sniffles. Literally, Dr. Kelly can address that in a second. But Steve, you're right. And a question I have, why are we pushing this on kids? Well, I mean, first of all, it's got to be partly because they want to sell more of it, right? I mean, there's a big financial piece here. Um, you know, there's, there could be any kinds of, and this is the fundamental problem, John, there could be a, a number of reasons that are nefarious in nature on why you want people to have mRNA in their body. I mean, if you really take the whole thing in context, where we locked down a population, made people wear masks, gave them vaccines, if you didn't take the vaccine, you're, vaccine, you're ostracized, et cetera, where you go next is you have a fire in Hawaii that people are questioning how it started. Um, that, that's just this incredible distrust of the federal government. That's right. It's been happening, it's been happening since 63 and the assassination of John F. Kennedy, but at the same time, it's just been getting worse and worse and worse. So COVID is a catalyst to a declining belief at an already low level, but a declining belief in our government, its programs and what it does, yep. the NIH, public health. I mean, it's just, this huge declining belief. And if we don't fight against it, eventually people will completely give up on being governed. And anarchy is not all it's cracked up to be. No, no, it is not. Dr. Kelly, I I know you can address that as well. And not only is it not good as far as I'm concerned with the health of these particular young individuals that are pushing this vaccine and this mRNA jab, I should say, into, but Steve is exactly right. We've now got an entire, and I can't, I'm not going to always agree with their distrust in certain areas, but I can sympathize with the distrust. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And again, back to the point that the person made about not just, you know, talking about COVID anymore. We've talked to or blue in the face about the dangers of these mRNA shots and why it makes no scientific sense for children or healthy young people under the age of, say, 30 to even think about getting these things. But in, beyond that, again, back to the way bigger picture, we are talking about a breach of the fundamental constructs of medicine. The four pillars of medicine, autonomy, beneficence, non-maleficence, and justice. And when you start with the first one, autonomy. Autonomy is tied with the concept not only of informed consent before you participate in something, but the right you have as an sovereign individual to make a determination about what you do with your body, what you put into it or what you don't put into it. So the idea that we have totally thrown that out the window and said, we don't give, we don't care if you're not at risk from this disease. We don't care. We are going to force you to do that. They have taken away autonomy right there, let alone informed consent. These are we're talking about the breakdown of every foundational concept of healthcare, and you're darn right people aren't going to trust it anymore because now we are shifting now the very foundation, the structure, what people had every right to believe in has been shipped away at, and it's on very very shaky ground. So yep. yes, this entire thing is about to tumble. All right, questions just came in. By the way, great question. Uh, ask Dr. Kelly and discuss whether the flu, as we get back now, we're heading into fall, winter, there'll be flu vaccines now pushed again. Will this year's vaccines, quote-unquote flu vaccines, have the mRNA? 
Great question. Um, and I cannot answer with absolute authority, but it is my understanding that no, I, they certainly are talking about it, and you better believe that's where this is going. But as of right now, where I sit in a second week of August, I am unaware at this juncture that they have uh, gotten an mRNA influenza vaccine ready for this year. So it's my understanding that we are still using traditional influenza uh, technology. Okay, Steve, have you heard any, anything otherwise on your end, since you're more on the admin side? Have you heard anything different? No, I think it's too early for mRNA. I will tell you that I had a pharmacist ask me today about why I wasn't going to get a flu shot, and I simply said to him, look, I don't like needles. The last time I had a flu shot, I fell down, hit my head. I had to have a CT scan, so I'm not going to do it. And he looked at me like I was out of my mind. <laughs> It wasn't a true story, but I'm just sick of these guys asking me about a damn flu shot at my age. I just don't need it. Yeah. No, I, it, you know, it, you're, you're very much like me. I feel extremely healthy. I feel very blessed, by the way, to be healthy at my age. I don't feel like I need any additional things to, to keep my, you know, my own immune system up. And if I get a cold or something along those lines, I am more than, you know, have enough ability, more than enough ability to fight that off. And Dr. Kelly, because of a lot of the things you've stressed and, and really told us when it comes to exercise, what to eat, how to eat, some of the extra things we can be taking supplement-wise. I just don't feel like I need those extra things. And, John, before before Kelly jumps in in on that, let me just say one other thing that I don't know that we talked about during the week. The actual vaccination status of children entering school, my two grandsons go to school this week for the first time, is now below 90%. So one of the products, whether it's the flu shot or the measles shot or whatever, one of the products of this entire thing is that we're seeing vaccination status of school children falling precipitously right now. I don't know what that does, Kelly. I mean, maybe in the end that's going to create some outbreaks of measles and things we don't typically see all that often, but it certainly is one of those products of what's happening with COVID vaccines. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I think there's no question that one of the things that was at risk here was increased vaccine hesitancy. Now, unfortunately, I, like, you know, much much of the public, I think, has started to turn a far more circumspect eye at the vaccine schedule and whether we have, in fact, been over vaccinating people. Uh, if you read uh, books like Turtles All the Way Down, uh, and which summarize the, um, the lack of real rigor in previous vaccine testing, one of the problems just to summarize uh, you know, the, that entire book of work is that it turns out that all the previous vaccines, all of them, were never tested against a true placebo. Uh, So all of the quote-unquote data and science as we've known it with regard to the safety of vaccines, I think, has been called into question. Uh, So many parents have developed vaccine hesitancy. They're backing off on vaccinating their kids. And this is the unintended consequence of rolling out this just abysmal uh, mRNA shot with the uh, just has been fraught with issues huge problems with adverse events. It wasn't effective. It didn't stop transmission. It uh, wasn't adequately tested. They foisted it on people who never needed it in the first place, and it's been an absolute debacle. And as Steve points out, one of the very predicted side effects was that of that is that people now are going to say, you know what, maybe I'll just back off on all vaccines for right now. 
Which, which again, I, I am not, we've never said you either, Dr. Kelly, have said that's the way to go. There are certain things that I do believe we should be vaccinated against, although this myriad of them and the amount that we now have versus what we all had, excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, what we all had as kids, it is far different today than it was when we were kids, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, there, when we were growing up, meaning the three of us, um, you know, in the 60s and 70s, the total number of vaccines on the childhood schedule was between six and nine, depending on what part of the country you were in. That number is now up to 72. Wow. Um, many of them are repeated doses of something, but doesn't doesn't matter. You're talking about getting 72 shots uh, before you turn 18 years old versus six to nine. That's a huge difference. Yeah, big difference. We are at the same time seeing a you know precipitous increase in uh, issues related to autoimmune stuff, you know, asthma, right. allergies, and we certainly are having a pandemic of autism. So can I say with certainty that one is linked with the other? The answer is no, but it certainly is one of the many environmental factors that we sure as heck should be looking at because it's something that clearly has changed. And if you look at uh, groups of people, for example, the Amish or Mennonite communities or uh, areas of the world that are not highly vaccinated, they have far, far lower rates of these particular illnesses, specifically asthma, allergies like peanut allergies, psoriasis, eczema, mm-hmm. and 100 percent they have lower rates of autism. OK, so and, and both of you can chime in on this, Steve. I've got grandkids. You do as well. Dr. Kelly, you're in this world. You're looking at this on a routine basis and, and again, I, I by no means am a doctor, and I really would have to do a lot of research if I had young children today, you know, infants. We've got, we've got a newborn that's going to be born in about a week now. And when you start looking at all of these things, Dr. Kelly, how would a set of new parents be looking at all of this? And, and, and how do they make a determination as to what to you know, vaccinate their, their infant with and, and at what time and how to spread them out and so on? How do they determine that? Boy, I'll tell you, it's a real conundrum, John, and and I am really thankful that I don't have kids myself or, or grandkids because I would really have a tough time knowing how to advise them. I can tell you right now that I do not see any reason for us to be vaccinating newborns. The idea that a newborn infant is getting a hepatitis B vaccine. Hepatitis B is a sexually transmitted disease. Why does a newborn infant need that? Uh, okay, so the human immune system, I've said many times, is the last great frontier of medicine. It reacts in ways that we don't necessarily understand. Uh, we don't always anticipate down, you know, untoward side effects of things. So the idea that we are vaccinating uh, children before their own immune systems have even developed fully, mm. so that they're even independent from their mothers, Good I point. think is patently absurd. Good point. So I think we need to back off and start saying, when is this person truly at risk from a particular infection? And what is the actual risk? And furthermore, we need to go back and redo studies and look at the data and say, did we truly decrease, for example, the incidence of polio because of the polio vaccine? Or was polio incidence already falling prior to the vaccine program? Because I think when you look at the data, we have taken a lot of credit for controlling the rates of some of these illnesses, when in fact, that's not what the data actually would show. Okay, so 
by the way, agree with everything. That, I think that is great, great advice to all of those that are out there listening, especially those that may have you know, young children, infants, and so on. Steve, when it comes to you, I, and we have this conversation quite often among you know, my kids and grandkids, and well, not the grandkids because they're the receivers of this, but we have this conversation quite often. What are you guys doing in your world as far as all of this goes? Well, I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're obviously coaching people to get healthier, but there's another factor here, as we saw in that UK research study this week. I mean, you know, never in my life when my kids were getting vaccinated, my grandchildren maybe getting vaccinated, did I ever think to ask the question, so there was a safety study, right? Yes, there was a safety study. How many people were in it? 500. How long? A month. Um, what happened to the 500? And then you look at the study and the response was only covering about half of those people, mm. 250, 280 people. Well, what, what happened to the other half? Right. What right. happened to the other Great people question. in that study, right? Right. And so, you know, when you start looking at it going, look, I'll, I'll take a flu vaccine or an appropriate vaccine, but you're going to have to tell me the truth. How long has this been going on? I suspect, as we've heard from a number of people, experts, in my opinion, like, you know, RFK Jr., Kelly, Kelly uh, Victory, and others, saying, look, that's the way vaccines have been treated since... 20, 30 years ago, hmm. how is it that you lose what happened to 250 people or you refuse to report what happened to them and call it safe and the FDA and CDC says, okay, I don't get it? Yeah, good, good. No, great question. Dr. Kelly, when it comes to these childhood vaccines in general, and I, like you, think that there's a lot of these things that we have sort of just kind of bought into because we felt like, we're protecting ourselves. Government tells us we should do so. FDA, et cetera. They've done all these great studies. We're reducing X, Y, and Z. So let's continue down that path. The problem is now that we look at some of these studies and realize, wait a minute, time out. Like Steve just said, where's the other half of this study and what's going on? And to your point, some of these studies, I think, need to be redone. And then the other question that I've got along those lines is... <laughs> Given and we know that COVID changes and we know that it's a it's a completely different animal and it's why there's really no quote unquote vaccine, nor will there be when it comes to other types of diseases, though, do they morph and change or are vaccines really effective when it comes to wiping out, say, measles, polio and so on? Great question. Um, All viruses mutate. Um, They all do. The issue with coronaviruses, which is the family that COVID is a coronavirus, is that coronaviruses do it so quickly that it's just impossible to create a vaccine. Right. For. It's why we've never. I mean, by the had time a you get it out, it's already pool. changed, is what you're saying, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. So you just you you're, you're fight you're always fighting last year's battle. You're creating an army to fight, uh, you know, something that no longer. So sometimes not even last year's battle out. could be last it, quarter's it, battle. Yeah. It, it, exactly. And that's the same thing with influenza. Very difficult because it changes okay. and you don't okay. know what strain's going to come out. Okay. That is different from things like chickenpox, which is about, you know, measles, mumps, uh, those sorts of things, polio. They mutate, but not nearly as quickly. And therefore, we've had good, uh, really a good efficacy at stopping or decreasing the incidence of those particular illnesses. That said, you can't do it without being assured that the safety profile is very good. So this comes down to, as all things in medicine, the risk-benefit analysis. What is the actual risk that you have from a particular pathogen, the particular infectious agent, versus the risk or benefit of the potential, in this case, vaccine? 
So you look at something like, for example, um, shingles, the shingles okay. vaccine. Okay. Nobody wants to get shingles. It's a painful. No, it's rash. painful. It's awful. Okay. It's, it's, it's just it's one of those things that, yeah, nobody would wish that on their worst enemy. Exactly. On um, that said, John, nobody dies of it. True. Good Ever. point. Good point. Okay? Good You're point. Get over it. Good it point. Is, it is painful. It, it is not fun. I don't want it. I've had it three times myself. It is not fun. But nobody dies of it. Mm. Okay. It doesn't cause disability. You don't become paralyzed by it. You don't lose a limb because of it. Great point. So you'd have to think long and hard about the possible side effects. Do you want to get Guillain-Barre? Do you want to end up with a neurologic problem? Do you want to end up with myocarditis or whatever else you might get for something that isn't ultimately, although painful, isn't something that's going to take you out? So I think when that's how risk-benefit works. Polio is something that had devastating impact, and therefore I understand why we really wanted a mass polio vaccination program because the you know people do end up dying, people do right. end up paralyzed, right. people do right. end up with with long term lifelong disability. Um, so I think you have to take each one individually and say what is your actual risk from this particular illness? Uh, you know, is it worth trying to prevent? You know, you the whole reason we started we gave the chickenpox vaccines. Because a tiny percentage of kids get significantly, significantly ill from chickenpox and end up with, you know, pneumonia or neurologic problems. It really is you, you stop chickenpox because once you stop chickenpox, people can't get shingles in the future. Mm. But again, you have to really weigh what is the risk of this and are, is it worth risking um, a vaccine that hasn't been adequately tested? And at this point, and Steve points it out again, you know, we have got to go back and look at each vaccine the studies that were done mm-hmm. were they actually rigorously controlled you know with a randomized with mm-hmm. a randomized controlled trial with a true placebo and if not those studies need to be redone okay here's a question for both of you dr kelly i'll start with you steve you can follow up would it be safe to say that if i'm a new parent i've got or maybe even i've got you know maybe this is my fourth fifth infant and maybe I did a few things different on the last ones because I didn't know all of the information now that we know after coming out of COVID. Would it be safe for me as a parent to sit down and say, okay, I want to look at all of the different vaccines that are being recommended. I've got this chart in front of me. I've got this pamphlet that that my pediatrician gave me. And maybe would it be worthwhile for me to look at each one of these different vaccines and say, okay, which ones of these, if my child doesn't get it, might cause some pain and discomfort, but they're not going to die from it. Would it be safe to actually look at it in that way and say, okay, if my child's not going to die from XYZ disease, but, you know, it may may cause some pain and discomfort. But by the way, when they're done, they might even have a better immune system when it's all said and done. Is that a proper way to look at things, Dr. Kelly? Yeah, I, I think that it is. I think that's exactly right. And it's not, you know, there's also an issue here, I think, John, that it's not each vaccine necessarily per se it's the frequency and the rapidity that we give them Um, if nothing else i think we should be thinking about spreading them out the idea that you bring a kid in uh, to the pediatrician and get three or four or sometimes more vaccines at one sitting you are asking your immune system to all of a sudden you know it would be like subjecting you to exposing you to polio, chickenpox, measles, mumps, and rubella all at the same cocktail party. Right. You know, your immune right. system is going like, 
holy, you know, how do I even handle this? Correct. Why would you do it that way? Because it's more convenient to not make parents bring their kid back? Well, you know, I think we're taking, we're really rolling the dice. So Mm. I think it's the frequency and the, uh, really the timing of vaccines that we really need to look at as well. And for what it's worth, we've been over-vaccinating animals. Well, I was just going to uh, say, we the do the same, same thing on animals, and I've heard many a vet say exactly what you're saying. So I'm thinking, okay, time out. Yeah. If I've, we've got veterinarians saying, and even you know, pet experts saying, spread these things out, why would we not do the same thing with our babies? It, ex- exactly. And so I think that um, we are seeing, I, we've moved down a path that has really been um, unfettered. We have not, we have, there's been very little control. So just add one more vaccine. And then we're supposed to act like this is so terrific. We now have a vaccine for this and a vaccine for that. And the numbers just keep growing and growing. And one thing that I, I would be remiss in not mentioning, let's recall that all of these vaccines, not a one of them has any liability exposure Every single vaccine, once a vaccine is on the childhood immunization schedule, that vaccine manufacturer has absolutely zero liability exposure. They have nothing to lose if your child ends up harmed. Mm. Nothing. Okay? Right. I'll tell you right now, the vaccine schedule would get dialed back in. It would get wound back in a whole lot tighter if you said to the vaccine manufacturers, you are absolutely on the hook. You are liable for any adverse event. And you just watch how quickly it would change. Steve, your comments on that, because I, again, I've heard, I've heard from numerous people on the, on the animal, you know, your pet side, and yet we're like, time out. We're going to now slow down vaccines for our pet, but we're going to go ahead and just vaccinate, sorry, the crap out of our children. Steve, to me, that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. There's a bunch of things that don't make sense, like I did a study this week about pregnant women getting vaccinated, the vaccine flowing through to the child, uh, spike proteins flowing through to the child, all the miscarriages. It doesn't make sense to give a child a B at the age they are. But here's the other thing that I think is just crazy. I remember in running for Congress, I talked to somebody from the, 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 the Humane Society or whatever that does extinct animals, right? And I used to say to them, so if we try to prevent an animal who's on the, the potential extinction list, if we regrow the population to a certain level, do they come off the list? Hmm. You know I mean? When do they come off the list? And they're like, mm-hmm. nobody ever comes off the list. Right. Vaccines are kind of the same way, right? I mean, right. We, we've yeah. built herd immunity and right. we've battled back. And, you know, those 72 numbers have been going on since 1983. I mean, was there nothing that we've gotten used to, nothing that we've evolved to be able to handle better? Why is the same vaccines that we're in, 1983 still prevalent today plus they're adding others i don't get it we're just never going to take it off because the guys who have patents on those things make a crap load of money when they get sold every year on that list Mm, good point yeah i I guess kelly i know you've got a few more minutes left with us because you've got to leave a little early today just like last week but question i have for you is is i always thought and again, I've learned a lot through COVID from both of you, of course, and my, my view of a lot of things has changed. And I, not that I had a ton of trust, you know, prior to COVID in our government, but I have a lot less now than I did then. Although I'm not a complete anti-government guy, there is a proper role for them and it needs to be in, in the proper 
settings and we need to do things correctly when it comes to government? Do I have a lot less trust now than before? I just said, yes, I do. I have a lot less than, I, than you know, before or a lot less now than I did before. On the same token, Dr. Kelly, I do know there's things that we should be looking at when it comes to vaccinations and things along those lines. Although, is it not supposed to be whatever's best health-wise for the particular patient and not just a money grab? Well, a couple of things. First of all, um, I actually am good to the top of the hour. My show okay, perfect. Got canceled due to perfect. Technical okay, issues. thank so you. Stay, so I'll stay on. Um, but with, yes, and so this gets back, John, to again the four pillars of medicine. You know, people always talk about medicine. The first, do no harm, which is critically important and certainly tied to the second pillar, which of medicine, which is beneficence. Uh, you know, first, do no harm. But it starts with autonomy. And again, that concept of autonomy that, yes, you are supposed to be in control and able to make the decision that is best for you in the case of parents that you, you know, with the decision that's best for your child. I also think that Steve makes an excellent point is a good analogy, Steve, with regard to, you know, animals that are put on the near extinction list. And, and then we spend gobs of money and time and effort and we bring them back. They, they still stay on that list. You, you know, if we haven't gotten any better at treating some of these viruses or bacterial illnesses since 1982, then, you know, shame on us. And the answer is we have gotten better at, at treating them. So maybe there are some that should drop off simply for that reason alone, uh, because we've gotten better at treating them or we have new modalities. But again, it has become nothing but a money grab. And when you tie that, John, the amount of money that can be made for it, because once it's mandated, you know, the, the vaccine manufacturers, they, you know, they don't even have to, to uh, advertise. They don't have to spend a, a lick of money advertising, True. right? Because it's on the vaccine. It's required by the school system, by right. the government. Right. Good so point. they don't have they spend zero money mm. on advertising. They spend zero money on insurance or liability. They don't have to have malpractice because they're covered. Good point. All they do is take the money and put it in the bank. Good point. You start making them liable for it again, and they will all of a sudden be highly motivated to do these safety tests themselves. Mm, great point. All right, let's take a quick time out then. We'll come right back. More questions, by the way, for Dr. Kelly or Steve. Please let me know. 307 200 8222 Hi Fi Plumbing is next. And again, folks, whatever I say this, I've been saying this all week. I don't know what winter's going to do. I think it's going to come a little early. Make sure that you're all dialed in and ready to go whatever it, whenever it comes to your plumbing needs. Hi Fi focuses on convenience, by the way, making you uh, happy, by the way, at the end of their visit. That's what it's all about with Hi Fi Plumbing. 877 We High Five. Hi-Five Plumbing has made convenience for their customers a top priority. Hi-Five maintains a well-stocked inventory, readily available for their technicians at all times. So the technician who comes out to help you remains at your home to complete the project the same day. On the rare occasion they need a part, another team member will bring the part to them, leaving no more I'll be back in three hours visits. On top of that, their window for service is only two hours, respecting your valuable time and notifying you when they are on the way. Hi5 Plumbing also offers weekend appointments and evening appointments to meet your busy schedule. Hi5 makes every effort to make your plumbing experience convenient and hassle-free. You can call or email to schedule your plumbing services with Hi5. You want a company who makes your time their priority. So call Hi5 for that at 1-877-WE-HI5 or just go to klzradio.com/plumbing today. My ceiling is raining cuz the 
Golden Eagle Financial, Al Smith would love to help you with your financial planning, making sure that you can get to retirement and then stay there. Find Al at klzradio.com. You've been saving diligently for years without the help of an advisor like Golden Eagle Financial. So why should you start now? Al Smith of Golden Eagle Financial knows that when your nest egg is small, you can get by with an automated service or app. But as your savings grow, you need a trusted personal advisor like Al to help you navigate difficult market conditions. Golden Eagle Financial Plans can make up to 20% more than automated services on average, meaning you'll create more income when you need it. Al Smith's 30 years of experience has taught him how to keenly watch the market, and it tells him when it's smart to make a move based on your risk tolerance. You need Golden Eagle Financial to make objective calls on your assets and protect your nest egg in the smartest, most thoughtful way. Don't take your retirement plans into your own hands. Trust the experience of Al Smith of Golden Eagle Financial and protect your future by going to klzradio.com slash money today. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC. A registered investment advisor, BCM, and Golden Eagle Financial Limited are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Live and local, back to Rush to Reason. And we are back. Dr. Kelly Victory with us today. Steve House as well. Rush to Reason, Denver's Afternoon Rush. Dr. Kelly, we haven't talked about this for a while, and both of you can chime in on this. Is there any new information about transfusions when it comes to, you know, those that have been vaxxed, and that's now in the blood st- supply and so on and so forth? And, and we again, this is something that's now been several months since we've even address this. Has there been any more news along those lines, you know, people getting a, a transfusion and wanting to stay away from those, you know, those blood transfusions where there may be vaccinated, um, you know, vaccinated donor? What, what's your thoughts there? Well, it's a great question. And the answer is no. And we don't have more information on it, despite the fact that I and others have really tried. We keep being, quote, reassured um, by the Red Cross and others that there is no problem, uh, which is patently absurd. They are not differentiating between vaccinated and unvaccinated blood. And if they're testing for spike proteins or antibodies or mRNA, they certainly aren't letting us know that. Um, The lack of transparency, as you've got to know by now, is somewhat concerning. It has been extremely difficult to get any information on this. I think it remains a legitimate concern. Uh, If I ended up uh, a a trauma patient who required a blood transfusion, I would be worried um, about the blood supply because the vast majority of Americans at this point have been injected with these shots. And therefore, I think the... um, you know, the blood supply is likely contaminated, at least with spike proteins, uh, whether or not the mRNA would last uh, in perpetuity in a blood product is really unknown at this point. Okay. Steve, your thoughts? And I know you and I talked about this even outside of Kelly some of the weeks that she wasn't there several months ago. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, we, we've gotten to the point where we're so, I don't know, so self-focused, so self-centered in a way. When you think about the Red Cross, they do lots and lots of great work, but, you know, to put out a message that there was some concern about the blood supply, um, fundamentally what they're saying is, I don't want to do that because if I do that, it threatens what I do. It threatens my objective, which is to distribute blood. So I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to talk about it. I mean, we put our head in the sands about a lot of things these days. And I think 
everything from vaccines, you know, for pregnant women and the different stuff we've been talking about, agencies, people who are representatives of us as people in all aspects of government and public health, they need to be honest about this. And they need to stop worrying about whether they can do their job and start worrying about whether or not they should do the job without factoring this stuff in. Okay, great. Uh, this will probably be the last question. Kind of ties into what we're talking about a moment ago, Dr. Kelly. And this came up even yesterday when we were talking to Dr. Scott because he does some stem cell things and he uses uh, – there's a, a company down in Florida. It's called Cord for Life, and they do stem cells out of umbilical cords. It's all, of course, gone through tested. These are not, you know, crack babies, anything like this. This is all where everything has been pre-qualified from mom to – to, you know, you know, family, family life, you know, all sorts of different things along those lines to make sure that they're getting as clean of a umbilical cord as they possibly can. And typically umbilical cords, as you know, are just tossed. And this particular company strips all of the blood cells out of the umbilical cord and has just stem cells left. Now, I did find out today that he has the ability with this company to to actually have unvaccinated stem cells as well, if that's something that you request. But really the question comes up, can the mRNA technology or that the jab, I guess I should say, when it's in somebody that's vaccinated, but you may end up getting their stem cells in this particular case out of an umbilical cord, would those stem cells that have been come, you know, that have come from somebody that was vaccinated, given the fact that all of the cells, you know, the, the red blood cells are are stripped and all you have left are stem cells. Is there any kind of crossover in that area at all when it comes to the vaccinations? It's a great question and one that I cannot answer. It's one, it, you, these are the kinds of things, John. These are the re- this is, is the reason that the average vaccine takes six to eight years to come to market gotcha. if it ever makes it. Because these kinds of things, they, these are all great questions, absolutely legitimate, and need to be done. Those studies need to be looked at. Here I sit as a physician, and the idea that any physician would be recommending these shots or recommending blood products with the answer to that question is I have absolutely no idea and neither does anybody else Mm. because we haven't looked at that. I guarantee they haven't even looked at the most basic things like whether or not the mRNA is excreted in things like urine or feces, saliva. Um, You know, we know that it's excreted in breast milk. Is it excreted in sweat? There are some of the most basic questions. Do you need to worry about picking up mRNA or spike proteins when you get on the uh, you know, stepper at the gym after somebody who is vaccinated? We don't know because those studies simply haven't been done. Gotcha. Steve, have you heard anything along those lines on the admin side? Well, I mean, I, I think that there's a reason why they're not going to do those studies, and it's nefarious in itself. I mean, if you start looking for mRNA and urine and sweat and all these other things, you know, in a, you know, umbilical cord, either helping you get rid of the spike protein or not. What you're doing is you're admitting that there's a concern with the spike protein and with mRNA to begin with. If they admit that there's a concern, so much so that they do these studies to determine whether it's transmittable, that by itself is an admission that you have a problem. I don't think they'll ever do it for that reason. Uh, and again, I, I can't disagree with that. And I did, for all of you listening, since we talked about this yesterday with Dr. Scott, he did inform me today that he called Cord for Life and they have the ability because they do the testing on the blood, Dr. Kelly, much to what you were talking about. And they have the ability to get you stem cells that are from an unvaccinated mom. So that in and of itself is, and by the way, not saying that every one of these 
these moms that they're interviewing would be unvaccinated, but I can tell you right now, the majority of these individuals and where they're screening and who they're finding are probably along the same lines as the three of us, by the way. Yeah, and and I also think, just to, to close up this conversation, none of the things that we are talking about makes any one of us, quote, an anti-vaxxer. No, not you at know, all. What it makes all of us, from my perspective, is people who are wedded to the idea that not only do you ha- should you have the right to make a decision about what you ingest and are asked to put into your own body, but that we are pro-safety. You know, I am not anti-antibiotic, but if I find out that an antibiotic causes tendon ruptures or if I find out that a you know heart medication causes you know whatever ill effect then you know I have every right to say whoa I'm going to back off I want more studies and I don't think I want to prescribe that particular treatment to my patients so I think they've done a lot of damage uh, to the overall vaccine program uh, the idea that they are throwing around this you know, pejorative of, you know, you're an anti-vaxxer or you're, you know, somehow uh, anti-science, I think is insulting. Mm-hmm. It's not right. And I think people need to back off of that. Uh, being pro-safety and pro-autonomy uh, does not make you an anti-vaxxer. All right, guys, I'll leave it with that. That's the end. Appreciate it very much. Dr. Kelly, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate it very much. Thanks very much. Talk soon. You bet. Perfect. Steve, you as well. Thank you. As always, I appreciate it. You're the one that really spearheaded this from the get-go, and I appreciate it very, very much. My pleasure, John. Have a great week. You bet. Thanks for your time. Have a great evening. Veteran Windows and Doors is next. Dave Bancroft right now, 40% off any windows and doors. Call him today. Find him at klzradio.com. Veteran Windows and Doors actually educates their customers so they know exactly what their codes are. All of their products are rated to exceed those codes and maximize the return on your investment. Everyone claims to make the best windows and doors, but Veterans knows that every window and door has to be tested for how efficient it truly is. Owner Dave Bancroft will tell you the energy efficiency ratings have to be clearly labeled on your windows and doors when you receive them at your home. If the windows and doors are not Energy Star certified or do not meet your local energy codes, the windows will not earn you any rebates, credits, or energy savings. Window and door replacement is a great investment in your home. However, if they aren't properly rated for efficiency, you are just throwing your money out the window. No pressure, no upsell, just plain facts, so you can make the best decision for your home. Get 40% off labor and material costs for the month of August with Veteran Windows and Doors by visiting klzradio.com window. Bruce Simmons, our reverse mortgage professor. If you've thought about a reverse mortgage, but you don't know all the details or you've heard horror stories, talk to Bruce today. Uh, find him, by the way, again at klzradio.com. A reverse mortgage is not the impossibility you once thought. If you're properly prepared, KLZ's reverse mortgage expert, Bruce Simmons, can uniquely provide the expertise and advice that you need to eliminate your mortgage payment and do what you've always doubted could be done, give you more cash flow. Of course, you still need to pay your own property taxes and insurance, but eliminating your principal and interest payment will allow you to live a more financially comfortable lifestyle in your retirement. By calling Bruce to help you get this going now, you can move forward before additional rate increases take effect, and he can always help you go back and get more money when interest rates start to ease. Don't assume. Call the expert we trust for real and honest advice about your reverse mortgage. Call Bruce Simmons today at 303-467-7821. That's 303-467-7821. Or schedule online now at klzradio.com slash reverse. NMLS 409914. American Liberty Mortgage is an equal housing lender. 
KNR Home Transitions, don't forget to ask about the re-up program today, and they can explain that to you. Find them at klzradio.com. You need to sell your home, but it needs some remodeling. That sounds simple. All you need to do is source contractors, research the market to find out what buyers are looking for, direct the work to be done, hire someone to clean up the mess, do the work, shoot photography and list the home, negotiate with buyers, make concessions, and redo some of the work you already did. Oh, okay. That doesn't sound very simple. But there is a better option. You can hire Kat and Robin of K&R Home Transitions and let them partner with ReUp to handle the updates without paying a dime up front. ReUp will remodel your home based on what will sell and increase value. They will do the work, clean the mess, and Cat and Robin will market and list the home to sell fast. K&R will help you navigate the process start to finish. You can let them do the work and enjoy the additional cash you make from selling a highly marketable home faster than you could have. Go to klzradio.com home to learn more about K&R Home Transitions and Rhea. It's time to leave your safe space. This is Rush to Reason on KLZ 560. All right, that's it for this hour. If you missed any of it, you can catch it tonight between 6 and 7 p.m. And if you're listening to it uh, again, thank you very much for doing so. If you'd like to send it on to somebody, you can go right to the website, rushtoreason.com, and click on the show notes section, and you can find it there and send it along as well. Again, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it very much. We'll be back. Hour number two is next. Rush to Reason, Denver's Afternoon Rush, KLZ 560.